You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. It's time for the 500th episode of Tech Fan. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. Um, it's been uh, a long road to get to 500. Yeah, it has. It's been a longer road than it seems like. I know. But, um, but here we are. We should have uh, somehow figured out how to get Owen Rubin on, since he no yeah. longer works at Apple, and he has been more in the early days, but he was an occasional co-host. Yeah. I would think he um, probably he's probably done 10, 15 episodes. Yeah, I'm sure he'd love to be on, but unfortunately his location makes the timing quite difficult. Yeah, being on the the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, and you're you're in the UK. So I mean, yeah. Even for me, I wake up at four. We're all awake. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we do this seven thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I wake up at four thirty-five every day, so it's not that big of a deal. But it's still, I mean, to to sit in front of a microphone an hour or two after you've woken up on your day off. It's not always the uh, easiest thing to do. No, same for me. I'm in, I'm, it's 12.30 here. Um, and obviously in the middle of the day, sometimes it's difficult on a Sunday. Um, yeah, you got but, family there and you got things to yeah. do. And yeah, it's not easy. No. And our, but our sponsors require it. So, oh, wait. <laughs> Never mind. But that is one part of the history of the show is we used to have a sponsor. Sponsors. Yeah. Um, yep. It's just didn't make any sense i just i never really had the time to go and track down somebody else to try to foot the bill you know it's a part-time job just keeping up with that and i just didn't have the time or inclination to be honest and remember this this entire show started thanks to apple you remember that uh what did they sponsor it then Mm. no (laughs) no so, because you couldn't do my Mac anymore because you were uh, an Apple reseller. Yeah, well, not just a reseller, but um, yes, in effect, our biggest our biggest partner, if you will, was Apple, and Apple really frowned. Upper management at Apple at the time really frowned about me doing the my Mac podcast, where I was predominantly talking about Apple and Mac and. And I was never one to curtail my thoughts if I thought Apple was screwing something up. But I think it worked out. <laughs> you know, Guy and oh, Gaz yeah, do a great job on the MyMac show. And not, not only that, podcasting as well has kind of moved on because there used to be an awful lot of pure Apple shows. And even my even the MyMac podcast is not it's not really just I mean it's it's kind of hung on Apple and Apple's products, but there's a lot more going on there. Whereas back in the day, when when we all started podcasting, if you listen to um, you know some of the some of the Mac shows, some of the Apple shows, they were just pretty straight. Let we're just going to talk about Apple every week. Yeah. Um, and and funnily enough, that was a time when Apple had far fewer products than it has nowadays, and uh, I guess people were using them differently. Uh, there was an awful lot of Mac tips and Mac software reviews and stuff like that that people don't really bother doing very much anymore. Um, and uh, it was a very different landscape. It was it was a lot more. It, it was, I I think it was perhaps a little bit less lighthearted. It was certainly a lot less diverse in terms of what people were talking about. Um, there was always the weird off the wall stuff, but um, there was less 
kind of broad the the mainstream stuff wasn't very broad and now obviously podcasting it is and most people who've who've heard of podcasts probably recently the last five ten years will probably not think of it mainly as a as a tech broadcasting medium as much as a a more general broadcasting medium and it's easy to know why when you look back and that's because the people who were the most techie were the ones that were able to do a podcast we understood the technology we were adaptable we were very good at learning new skills that was required to not just record a show which was challenging in the early days but to create an rss feed to be able to host the file um, to make a website, I mean, there was a lot of technical thing. And to hell, edit the show together if you weren't recording in the same room. You know, there was a lot to yeah. it back in the day. Yeah, there was, and, and one of the reasons I think it it gravitated around Apple is that Apple Mac uh, Mac products made that a lot easier than it than it was on on other computers. Well, I also so. think that Mac users were more passionate about technology than the average PC user of the time. And I think that simply goes to that Apple was struggling so bad, there was a very real threat that the the Apple eco-universe, if you will, was going to go away. And it kind of inspired a lot of people to try to hold on to this thing. They were passionate about it. And it mm-hmm. just so happens that the thing that they were passionate about became the biggest company in the world with super popular products. And it's kind of hard, I think, to stay passionate about something that's, you know, so popular so mainstream it, well, it's, it's it's also much more corporate now than yes it, than it used to be and that that changes the way that people interact with the company even if the if it even if it doesn't affect the products which it definitely has um but it also affects how people interact with a company that's much very much a big corporation and i think a lot of the gripes people have with apple now are um a lot ver- very often they are people who remember how it used to be and get frustrated that it can't be like that again yeah um but i a part of the problem i think is is apple is so large now that um a lot of the kind of the silly issues we see and we go well why does it ha- why why do they make these decisions just come from the fact that it's got a very long decision chain now and uh, some of the 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 more irritating issues probably never filter up to the point of somebody who thinks it's important enough to fix it um, well, I also think a lot of decisions now are based on what's better for the bottom line, not for the technology underlining it. Yeah. Whereas back then, it was still, look, it was corporate, don't get me wrong, but it was still about the the, the hardware and the software. It wasn't about the, the corporate bottom dollar and every single decision. Yes, it was, don't get me wrong, I'm not naive, but the technology came first, making it better and better and better with innovating new stuff and now it's just not at all which is sad yeah well uh, well yeah his uh, i mean i uh, part i have some sympathy with them for that because part of the part of the difficulty is a lot of these product lines are extremely mature now and it's yep. very difficult it's difficult to innovate because what's going to happen is is you do something new and <laughs> a good pr- good proportion of your uh of your customers are, are either going to go, oh, I can't be bothered with that, or alternatively, they're going to go, well, what's the point? Why are you wasting money on that when you could be improving what I like? Um, and I think some of the commentary we've seen on the Vision Pro uh, kind of reflects some of that. There's some people who've gone, oh, well, well, that's just a waste of time. And then there's other people who are going, this doesn't help. This doesn't help the Mac at all. What's this for? 
um there's there's been a little bit of that and i suspect there will be more when it launches um and uh and yet you know that is literally apple innovating by developing in not only an entirely new product line but an entirely new computing concept that nobody's really tried that way before um and you know they're kind of they're in they're in a position now where they're damned if they do they're damned if they don't they could scrap and redesign the iphone next year and a good goodly proportion of people would go oh apple only doing that so they make us buy a new iphone yeah (laughs) one of the things that happened this week um is adam christensen who um has been podcasting uh the mac cast for a long long time yeah is stopping that show to j to uh to join the mac geek gab and that's a big decision i'd not heard that but yeah i mean he's got how how long was the um mac cast was 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 created two weeks before the my mac podcast because that was was the name i was going for I remember the. I remember the one of the earliest. His was one of the earliest podcasts I started listening to, along with yours. Yep. Um, because you know, I got into, I got into Max, and I wanted to listen to people talking about Max, and I didn't know very much about it. And his was one of the ones. But the thing is, and you know, what, he's been doing it. He basically does that show on his own. He does. He doesn't have co-hosts or anything like that. So, um, yeah, interesting. Interesting. So you know what that means. The MyMac podcast now is, I think, the longest-running, continuously-running Mac podcast in the world. Wow. Because that was the one that, that was the one, that was the name I wanted. And every other Mac show at the time was long gone. Yeah. In fact, I bet if you go back to when we started the, the MyMac podcast, 1994? Uh-huh. No. No, not 1994, 2004. Um, and looked for, because 94 is when we started the MyMac.com, or MyMac Magazine. If you go back to 2004 and look at the podcasts that were out then, I bet almost none of them exist anymore. Uh, I would imagine so. The MyMac one um, does, though. Yeah. And, this, and, and Tech Fan is simply, go ahead. I was going to say he started this in December two thousand four. Yeah, um, so did I. And and he um, has just hit. So he he um, yeah. So he was on show eight eighty four when he decided to stop. Yeah. So we got more shows than him as well. We win. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, do you do you know why he decided to stop though? Um, he didn't really go into the personal decisions. The episode I listened to, I listened to the last episode. Or at yeah. least most of it, um, and it was more of you know, I'm I'm going to go do this now. He did say you know it was financially difficult doing his own show, and I looked at his history and he would go. He there was times that he would do one show a month, if that. So yeah. it was slowing down big time. So maybe it's simply, and I came to this conclusion pretty early on in podcasting. It's way easier to do it with someone, yeah. for a variety of reasons. You know, you you can't just take a day off and go, ah, I'll do it next week. Well, there's somebody else that was sitting there ready to start recording. You yeah. know, so the, if you have someone else, they kind of bring you kicking and screaming sometimes when you don't want to do it to do it. And sometimes those are the best shows, to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
But this is simply a t- continuation of the MyMac show because yeah. you and I hosted that show. Indeed. And um, we just broadened the focus and got on with it, which is what we do. And we're still doing it. And hopefully people are still listening. Hopefully. If you are. When it, when, <laughs> yeah. When are we, uh, we going to join the Mac Geek Cab then? Oh, never. probably never. <laughs> that's That's the thing, though. Um, I always did my own thing. You know, yeah. when I started my Mac, I didn't, you know, the first episode was, well, issue was just me writing. And then people was, you know, a couple of issues were just me. And then I would get feedback from people going, hey, can I re- write a review for your, your e-zine? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what never happened was, and I was offered a few times. Uh, to kind of link up and join up with other companies or people that were doing their own thing. And at every single turn, I went, mm, nah. I, I just would rather do my own thing. Even when I was, even when I quit uh, my Mac podcast, um, because remember, I, I was coming back. Anyways, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, I did the OWC podcast. Yeah. And. I was doing that in my Mac for a long time. So I never owned the OWC stuff. Yeah. You know, that was, I, uh, world computing, no, really. it was, you it know, they contract gig. Yeah. They paid me to podcast yeah. and, but it was still me. You know what I mean? Even yeah. when I had interviews, the show was me. Half the show was just me talking into a microphone and then having an interview with someone. So I was still kind of doing my own thing. And I, I never wanted to join somebody else simply because I just wanted us to own our thing. I didn't want to be beholden to somebody else. Even when we had sponsored sponsors, I had no problem saying whatever the hell I wanted, and neither did you. Yeah. And we, we're still that way. Well, that's, that's the, spon- the type of sponsorship we wanted. There are... <laughs> I had to... Um, uh, uh, Alexander and I were laughing in the car. Yeah. On Friday, I went to pick him up from... Um, from a thing he was doing and i had uh my car has like internet radio and uh so sometimes i look we listen to an alternative rock station um on the internet radio and the only the only one i've been able to find in the list on there is this one from toronto so we sometimes i stick that on <laughs> and of course they have american uh well i don't want to insult the canadians but basically toronto radio sounds very much like american radio yeah, yes. in terms of the way it operates, uh, and they had this long segment about <laughs> the two hosts are talking about this study that had been done to find the perfect butt ratio, right, between waist and hips for ladies, and they were talking on and on about it, and it got it got quite uncomfortable really about the the language they were using. It didn't seem very modern. Um, they were trying to not be misogynist but they kind of were and it became very clear as well from the, the like the heading that was on the radio you know they send like a little digital header that normally shows you the song playing it became very clear from the header that this was a, a really long ad for plastic surgery wow and and it was just it was it was you know and the, the guy started talking about you know what he wanted to hold on to and Yep. men's butts versus women butts it was really really creepy actually yeah uh and and i just thought to myself this is just trash 
And this is what you have to do when somebody basically has paid the station a whole load of money and these poor people have to spend five, ten minutes talking about this garbage topic, you know, um, and uh, because the, the sponsor has paid for that. It's a sponsor read. It's not a it's not a conventional ad where they give you something to insert. Um, it's it has this conversational quality that that uh, you know when i first started going to america i heard these types of reads because we've never had never had stuff like that here in the uk they're not allowed um i was very perplexed because you know it's like well okay this is an ad but you know the guy who's re- is is basically has got a script he's got to stick to some points yeah and yet they're doing it like like it's regular conversation like they're going to fool you with the ad to me it says an awful lot about the ad industry that that sort of thing is is prevalent, and they think it works because I, I find it hard to believe that it works. That oh, um, you know, my favorite my favorite alternative radio DJ is talking about a Brazilian butt lift, so maybe I should go and look for one of those. I, I don't know if it works, and I don't know if the ad company is the one that's even trying it. As someone who has had ads, not just from one company but multiples way back in the day, it becomes very challenging to do a read, especially if they're not providing a script. And if you're FM, hey, welcome to the blah, blah, blah. Um, big back up on the 405 this morning, folks. You might want to take an alternative yeah. route. Uh, that kind of crap. Um, it's hard to come up with content and fit that in somewhere. It, well, if, if it's something you have no interest in. You know, well, that makes yeah. it even worse. Yeah, exactly. Or or perhaps even worse than that, it's something you actively hate, but you're still being paid to read about it. Yeah, well, um, that comes down to the host, though. If the host is adamant that he can't stand a product, then they need to push back against the ad team. And if yeah, it comes to it, then is, don't do it at all. But this is this is corporate radio. We, we know that the hosts have very little power in corporate radio. Yeah. It's all about... I think, you know, to me, I, my guess is the host just made the best of a bad situation. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, I know that... Because um, I highly doubt that the sponsor was like, yeah, let's talk about where I want to grab and stuff like that. Well, exactly, yeah. I just think they... Yeah, they tried to riff on it in a bad way. Yep. Um, I, I do find it interesting. I You know, I listen to a couple of the uh, Leo Laporte shows still. Um, the security one, the Windows one, are the ones that I tend to listen to. Uh, and he has ad reads. And obviously he's been a, in radio for a long time. So he he does the ad reads all the time. But what astonishes me is how long they are. Because um, I, I have my my podcast set up on my phone and in my car that um if i get something i don't want to listen to i skip forward in one minute increments yeah that's what my skip forward button does and so when i get to what i know is an ad read and i think well i don't want to listen to this i'll skip through until i hear the whoever the rake the actual person i'm paying I, I want to listen to on the show is you know the not leo but the other guy right and and you wait to hear their voice and sometimes i'm pressing that button six seven times i think you my God, he's going on about that product for seven minutes. That's and, ridiculous. And probably making little. Well, I'm, yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't hold it against people who need to do that or want to do that. You know, you've got to. If you've got to monetize, you've got to monetize, but and you that find is the, the way it works. Yeah. To me, I don't find it. I well, it, it, those shows frustrate me because yeah, seven minutes of an of an ad, and then 
uh, a few minutes later, the host will say something and Leo will ask a question, makes it perfectly clear. He's not been listening for the last five minutes. Yeah. And that, at that point, then, I get a bit annoyed. He just but, had a big... Uh, he has big layoffs going on right now. Well, they're really struggling. Yeah. Because after, after COVID, basically, the bottom's fallen out of the podcasting market for advertising um, because everybody's spending less and when, when there's, they're not spending it on podcasts like they used to. Um so, yeah, yeah it, unfortunately, I, I don't think that organisation has ever been very good at um, staff management. Whenever things are going well, they hire a whole load of people and then they lay people off when things aren't going so well. They've done this several times. Yep. Um, and uh, I don't. I personally would not like to run an organisation like that. I'd rather grow it incrementally and... Uh, try and hold on to the people that, that come with me rather than doing the boom and bust thing. But, you know, he does what, what he feels works for him. And what I, I do here is simply record shows. Yeah. You know, if there's somebody out there that's wanted to podcast and they just, it's very daunting. I've always been open to help. How many podcasts yeah. have I quote produced over the years? It's thousands. Um, and I didn't get paid for any of those things, you know? Because I, I yep. love this medium. I love... Look, when I was growing up, I, with some of my early, well, nine, ten years old, let me say, memories, was sitting in front of a speaker with a cassette recorder. Now, this is a cassette recorder, not a boombox. You know, it was long. It was thin. You put the tapes on top and push it down, and you hit the big red button and play at the same time. I would simply hold it in front of the speaker and let it record you know, the top 40 channel here. Yeah, in, we, all, we all did that. And then we also, um, many of us used, if, if we found something with a microphone on it, we would often, you sure. know, we, we did record our, our voices to tape. Um, I wouldn't go as far as calling them shows or anything like that, but plenty of people have done that. I think it's something we've always done. Well, um, for me, it was always listening to the music. I love the music, but I really paid attention to the DJs because I knew I didn't have any music ability. I, it's simple. There, it's, yeah. I just don't. I wish I did. My kids all do, which is um, fantastic. But I don't. So when they play music, I love listening to it. I, I, you know, it's. I wish I could do that. I played trombone in the marching band for a few years, and I sucked at yeah. that. Um, but I could talk. I could be the guy behind the microphone introducing the song. You know, and I thought that's what I wanted to do until I, you know, I even did a, a small intern at a local radio station learning the ropes, watching him change these cas big cassette tape things and doing live reads. And I was very interested in until I found out how much they made. Then I was like, screw that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they made pennies. They did. They, well, those guys yeah. didn't make and anything. Yet, and yet they still made more than we do. So uh, in podcasting. So there you go. Well, we did I, pretty I'd well look, for a while. Yeah, I know. But you got to, uh, let's, let's talk about, the elephant in the room the one of the reasons that podcast advertising revenues and podcast subscription rates have gone down is because many more people do video now yeah and and i think and i think you know instead of the kid of today instead of them grabbing a recording device and talking audio they want to put a phone up in the face and do video yeah and that's why tiktok and twitch and youtube and all these things are are so successful because actually given the opportunity a lot of people want to do video rather than than this sort of medium well i also um, think that they bring up a web page and hit play and they don't even watch the video they just listen to what the person's doing while they're doing other stuff 
well there's that there's that as well but i think that's always been there but in terms of the uh, the uh, accessibility of creation now i think a lot of people are more intimidated by sitting down recording their voice into a microphone than they are putting a putting a camera a a phone wait holding a phone up in their face and recording video to it it feels more natural to them and um i think that has supplanted the desire to do podcasts for a lot of people is they want to do video yeah the um, nice thing is there's plenty of room for all kinds of content well there is and also as well the uh you know um, the in terms of opportunities it's never been easier to do something which technically was even far harder than recording audio um you know to back in the day so if you wanted to record anything that looked remotely professional on video you needed huge amount of equipment um and uh and the internet wasn't up to displaying it to anybody anyway Correct. whereas nowadays it's easy anybody who has a phone can yeah thanks to the magic of what our phones do can record a half decent video with just a button press and another button pressed, and it's uploaded somewhere so that people can watch it. So I was thinking, um, obviously, we said we're not going to do anything special for our 500th episode. I even made a big ad about it, which I thought yep. was funny. Um, <laughs> it was ironic, if anything. But yeah. I started thinking about some of the topics and um, that we could talk about for this episode. And not because it's the 500th episode, but I thought, well, if if I did need to bring something up for the 500th episode, what would it be? And I started thinking, well, we st- the first episode came out in um, September of 2010. Your first yep. episode was episode three in October mm-hmm. of 2010. So that's, that's a few days ago. <laughs> yep. What is, what's the biggest difference between then and now of technology in your life? And for me... I got into arcades. Um, I bought my first arcade machine in October of 2024 or 2014. So that's not even 10 years ago. I got my first home arcade machine and that's kind of been the dominant thing when it came to what was getting me excited about technology was old technology going back, looking at, you know, buying an old arcade or buying a machine and, and updating it so I can play, you know, 10,000 arcade games. To me, that was probably the most significant tech thing that I've done in the last, well, since this up, since this show started back in 2010. Yeah. What do you think it is for you? So, uh, I mean, I was, I was already into retro stuff back in 2010. I, uh, at the time in my office, my company's office, I'd kind of taken a couple of desks in the corner and they were piled up with boxes of stuff I bought on eBay and was trying to sort out. Um, kind of annoyed the company, to be honest. I eventually had to move all out. Um, and I was playing around with old Macs and things like that. Um, but I, I don't do very much of that anymore. Um, I would say probably the uh, the biggest change for me is also is also like you gaming related because i always like video games but now moving to handheld gaming the fact that i can now play what i would consider to be triple a titles um sat down in the couch or on the train or something like that is probably the biggest change for me because back then you couldn't do that you could get you had game boy games i mean yeah that's right yeah it was it was fairly limited whereas you know last last night and this morning i was playing um one of the sony uh spider-man games um and it was probably better than i could have played on a machine 
even a desktop machine. Oh, sure. To 10. Yeah, no yeah? question. Yeah, obviously. You know, I mean, and, and I, I had, I had my Xbox, and I had, I played computer games uh, in my, um, in my office, but I, I don't, I don't sit at a desk playing games anymore because I don't need to because the handheld stuff is just as good, uh, if not better. Um, and I, I think that's the big difference, and it's probably what the most tech that I use nowadays, outside of, you know, produ- productive stuff like doing email on my phone and stuff like that. Is it's mostly it's playing handheld video games. If you uh, went back, lo- go ahead. I was just going to say I love the chance. I love the opportunity to do that because I play a lot more games than I used to. For that yeah, reason, it's more convenient. I don't have to. Yeah, well, and also I don't have to. Um, kind of hide myself away in another room while people are doing other stuff though i have found i get complaints now that the you wear a pair of headphones and then um i get complaints the button presses are too distracting when somebody's watching tv <laughs> what are you gonna do can you stop Are-me. breathing so loud please <laughs> one of the if if i could take some of the tech in my living room right now back to you know say episode three when we got back together um and we call it, by the way, MyMac.com presents TechFan. That's yeah. We were so clever. Um, yeah. Would have been VR, and if I could show like the new PS, or the VR two from Sony, and the what's the other one, the Facebook one. What is that? The um, MetaQuest. Me- MetaQuest. If I could take those back to myself and you, back in 2010 for us to review it with the games and watching gigantic monstrous videos. And um, we would have thought that would have been the dominant thing in, in 2023 going into 2024. We'd be like, Oh my God, this is a Holy grail. This is going to change everything. And yet, meh, not really. No, No. it, it, Um, it didn't do a whole lot of anything. I, I, I still think part of the problem with um, with VR is that is that actually, uh, and I wonder whether uh, Apple's products is gonna is really gonna move the needle on this. The problem with VR is you are cutting yourself off from everything, from yeah. not only from the people around you, but actually the physical space you're in. You actually have to map out a a safe space. They, it's actually impressive how the MetaQuest does this, where it basically it shows you where. Uh, a black and white well the, the newer one i think has got better cameras in it but the the one i have the quest 2 shows you a black and white view of your space and you actually mark out the areas where it's safe for you to move so you're not going to bump into anything and then yep. it warns you if you get near the edge it's very well done and, and th- don't get me wrong the, the meta quest products are stunning bits of technology the problem is they are solving a problem that nobody really has. And what happens is, like, just like you and I have done, you buy them, you play around with them for a bit, and then you put them on one side, and you don't tend to pick them up again. They're not must-have products. They're not no. must-use products. And th- there was an article yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday or Thursday, saying um, that Microsoft has just launched native Microsoft Office apps for the Quest products. And it's the mobile apps, but they're pretty functional and they work with virtual keyboards and hand tracking if, or a Bluetooth keyboard if you want. But you just look at it and you go, what's the point? Who wants to edit a Word document in some sort of virtual space cut off from the rest of the world? Yeah. Nobody wants to work like that. And so it, that, and that's the problem with, with the VR is that they've not found anything compelling enough that everybody goes, I must stay in this all the time. 
Do you think uh, Apple's it, product is going to solve that? I don't think so. Well, well, Apple's got a different approach because they're trying to use augmented reality to actually over overlay the VR experience. But over who's the asking real world. for that? Well, well, that's I, the problem. I think, I, I think sometimes we have to give uh, somebody doesn't matter who it is credit for trying something different to try and move. Oh, I'm, and I'm, think, I'm all for that. I just, I think, I think that's what the Apple are trying to do. What they're coming out with. I well, don't the pri- see. I won't worry about the price point because the, obviously it's going to come down. Yeah, it's the Vision Pro is the first cut of very, very new technology, just in the same way that when the iPhone came out, people went, how much for a phone? Are you kidding me? And yet within two, three years, the price came down and the adoption went through the roof. The Vision Vision line could well be the same thing if it finds traction, if the experience it gives you is compelling enough that people want to use it all the time. And, we'll, well, you know, jury's out on that. I really don't know until... You actually yeah. try it and see I'm clueless. It. I have no idea either. I don't know if it's well, going to be a, yeah. a success or a complete failure. No idea. I, I just I just imagine that, you know, in the early 2000s, you and I could have been talking about and we could have said, who wants a phone without a keyboard? Yeah, yeah. you know, touch is, touch is not good enough is what we would have said. We would have said touch is not good enough to have software keyboards and the screens are slow and they're too small and it's not bright and the battery life is terrible and you can't change the battery. All of those things that people said about the iPhone. Yeah, and they were all wrong because the point is that the actual experience that was delivered was so good compared to what uh, uh, to, to, compared to what was already on the market that people said, yeah, I like these choices. I like these compromises. And they started changing the way they used those devices. Vision Pro or the Vision Line, because it probably won't be the Pro, could well be a product like that. But we won't know until it comes out and we actually see what the use case is. I still think, and probably you would agree with me, that the the friction of saying, oh, well, I have to pick up this pair of goggles and put them on my face to use this device. I think that's a big fence to leap. It is. Over, over just picking up your phone. Yes. <laughs> Which and and this And this is... Actually, the interesting thing with the Vision Pro line is it's compete. It's everything is always competing with your phone now. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It's a video game console, whether it's a computer or a tablet. Everything is going. I was looking well, forward. Should I to use the, this or should I just pick up my phone? I was looking forward to playing the uh, PS2 or PVR, I, whatever the, the the latest PlayStation VR set. I never got the yeah. first one because uh, I knew there was going to be one coming around the corner that would be better. So I waited, and I'm glad I did. Um, yeah, I figured it'd either be me using it a lot or Cole using it a lot, who's 16 now. Yeah. And he does use it occasionally, but nothing like I thought he would. A new Five Nights of Freddy game came out that he wanted to get, so he got an early Christmas present. I bought it. It was like 40 bucks. I didn't care. Um, and he's played that a little bit, but he plays, when it comes to video games anyways... Uh, the regular PS5, the Switch, and he always has a laptop in his lap while he's doing it. Mm. Um, he multitasks like you wouldn't believe when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. Didn't you expect home automation to be way more of a thing now than it actually is? Because Apple supports it, Google supports it, Amazon supports it, and it's just not. Well... I think home automation is is another one of those things where it needs to be ubiquitous 
and it needs to be frictionless before people will adopt it. I think if you have to spend time putting stuff into your house to make it work, then that is automatically, that's a, a tech enthusiast product. That's not a, a mass adoption product. I think if you walked into your house and um, you basically, everything was supported by home automation, then people would, would definitely use it. Um, but you at the moment, you can't do that. You need to choose a system and then you need to, need to buy all the right bits and then you need to fit them to the things you want. And then you need to design the schedules and the uh, actions or the or the scenarios or whatever it is each one of them causes uh, uses and then you have to also have to you know kind of make sure that your infrastructure is is robust enough to support it there's no point having a remote garage door opener that that works on home automation if your home internet isn't reliable because one day you'll come home and it won't work and you won't or like we talked in. about just a couple of weeks ago that company goes out of business and turns well it off. yeah i mean i mean that people would say oh well, that's a risk of using the cloud you can do it all yourself um and you can but the problem is you've got to be a real technology enthusiast to do that and you've the really average got to be person committed. doesn't have the time to do that time or maybe the inclination they don't see the possibilities um yeah. they they go well i could spend you know two three hours on my weekend setting this stuff up so that i can have um my thermostat knows when i'm coming home and warms the house up automatically or i can just stick with what i've got now which works which is what most people do yeah so um that i think i think that's the issue with home automation and i don't think these i think we're softly softly with these initiatives and these intercompatibility groups and everything but uh, uh, t- towards adoption but I, I think until every single thing in the house supports it automatically uh, and you don't need to think about getting it set up i don't think it i don't think it's going to be a big thing i don't think so um, either you know i've always kind of wanted a system that if i walk through the hall at night lights would just dim lights would light up so i can see where i'm walking um yeah because it's that 3 a.m. I got a P thing going on. But um, you can do that now without full without home automation. automation. Well, I will, that's, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. I was watching TikTok yesterday, and I came across and I didn't buy it, but I came across this TikTok where it's just this little tube, right, with yep. a USB C thing on it that you that's how you charge it. Yeah. And so the mount on the wall is just stick sticks there. It's a, one of those 3M sticky pad things. Right, and the light itself is magnetized, so you just put it up on the little stand that's stuck to the wall, and it sticks there, and it has a motion sensor. You could also pull it off and use it as a little flashlight. And I thought I didn't even see what it cost; it was probably like forty bucks or something. But I thought that's a great little product. I mean, yeah, if one of them goes bad, it costs you forty bucks. Who cares? But you get three or four of these to line your hallway, where it's not blinding you; it's facing downward where I want it to. But if I need to see more, I can just grab one and it just, I don't have to unclip it or nothing. It's just magnetized. Yeah. And when they and start got, getting dim, I just plug it in for a couple hours and charge it up. Yeah. And, and you can also get ones that plug into the wall sockets that yeah. uh, basically have a motion sensor on and they will light up the floor when they detect somebody Correct. coming but around. This is way and more again, flexible. I, I agree. But the thing is, is that, is that to solve those problems, those point solutions are much, much cheaper and they're plug and play versus a full home automation setup. So I think most people don't bother. Exactly. You know? yeah. uh, and and that, that's, that's, what, that's what it is. I'll tell you one thing that I, I, while we've been talking, I did think about is a big change from 2010, 2011 um, for me in terms of tech. Back then we had um, 
DVRs on all the TVs. And we would, I would set all the programs I wanted to record off transmitted TV. Uh, and then I'd have them on a hard drive in the DVRs. And then I would catch up with them and watch them. When we moved to this house, which is now eight years ago, I brought the DVRs with me. I've never set them up because I don't need to anymore. Because now everything is available on streaming. Yeah. And that was or on demand, which is streaming. Yeah, ex- exactly. On, on demand streaming. All of the regular TV channels in the UK have got their own streaming platforms. And they pretty much keep most of their content. So if you miss a show and you want to go back and watch it, you can do so for no money. Um, and, uh, you know, the B- everyone's heard of the iPlay- BBC iPlayer, but um, they every other channel in the UK has a similar source of setup. Yes. And then, of course, you've got um, you've got the big streaming services, Disney Plus, Netflix, what have you, for other stuff and movies and things like that. So we just don't need the DVR anymore. We frequently will we'll be sit watching TV and we'll have a clash on a program. Um, in the UK, most of the channels trust, trust, uh, transmit a plus one channel where everything is an hour behind. So we'll often say, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll switch over to plus one after this finishes and watch that other show. Yep. Uh, or alternatively, we'll just catch it on the streaming platform. Yep. So DVR is a product which was, was quite a big thing back in the back it's, in round it's back 2010. Dead. Yeah. It's dead, yeah. Nobody uses it anymore because it's been replaced by the internet and the cloud. Um, and that's quite a fundamental change, which I don't think you would have predicted uh, 13 years ago. You would never would have assumed that the internet uh, and cloud storage would be strong enough to let you do that for all the Actually, TV. I think I would have been. Um, that To me, that seems like I was waiting for the for it to catch up and i knew it would one day i knew we'd be able to get to the point where it was movies on demand tv shows on demand when i want it because we were already doing that it's called podcasting you know um i I knew that was coming i just didn't foresee it costing so much to subscribe to every freaking service in the world just to see a few shows on each thing that you want to watch well it is interesting isn't it is that is that it used to be uh, it used to be everything was free and was ad-sponsored. And then we went to subscription. And now, funnily enough, the subscription services are coming back to uh, free or lower cost and ad-sponsored because they can't make enough money on subscription. Mm. Um, it, it is, it's, it's really interesting because obviously some people have to rely on subscription. Most software now seems to rely on subscription rather than individual purchase. And yet uh, streaming is going back to... Um, uh, streaming is going back to cheaper subscription and more ads. Uh, speaking of software, so on the last uh, Geeks Pub, I decided I was going to post it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And you can't just post audio on YouTube. It has to be a video file. Right. So I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I wanted something that would take audio and convert it over to a video file with just a static image right all i could find even on the mac app store were garbage subscription scam software that's all i could find and i'm not asking for an independent developer out there to to make something i just did an iMovie and exported and it was fine um i was just looking for something that was a little easier the problem yeah. that I was coming across, and I've run into this problem the last few years when I'm looking for a software solution that is 
less expensive or very niche is there's almost nothing anymore. It's all, at least in my opinion, it seems to be all scammy subscription. Uh, you read the description and it doesn't do what they say. Uh, they yeah. put a watermark in something. Uh, the, the reviews are, I used it once. I tried to unsubscribe and they've charged me four times now. Yeah. Um, is, is independent software kind of a development dead now? Because it really kind of seems I, that way to me. I think it's a lot harder than it used to be because the market is much smaller because people tend to use what they have and they get by with what they have. And I think the market in the in terms of the web services provides 90% of that stuff for free or at very low cost. Whereas you writing an application and then selling it to people is a really hard proposition. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the other problem that uh, you mentioned the Mac app store then. I mean, I, I never would. I just don't go to the Mac app store for anything anymore. It's, but, it's garbage uh, from what I can it's see. It's garbage. Uh, but, but that's the problem is that the app store model, I, I, I know that the EU are doing something with the, with looking at the app stores in the next couple of years and, and the U S are threatening to, um, the App Store model is is fundamentally has is broken now, because basically there's a tension between providing good quality software and customer service in app stores and then you making revenue off subscriptions and sales, and that's a those tensions pull in the opposite way, uh, and what what the scam operators have found is that is that effectively if you put up fake what are effectively fake ads for fake software with subscriptions you can make enough money off that um to make it worth your while even if you're playing if the company who owns whack -a -mole. is playing whack-a-mole whack and is getting rid of you frequently because you just republish it um and there's more of more of you than there is of them and there always is and it's and the same problem with fake products on amazon and yeah exactly it's it's the same it's the same deal um yeah. and uh you know it's funny enough i i um uh, we talked before about um i mean the part of the problem with that issue is that at, at companies like apple uh, I don't know what the Google Play Store is like because I haven't used it that much. But certainly Apple, the search is fundamentally broken on yes. on the App Store, or it's been so gamed by the scammers that it just doesn't work properly. So um, GTA, uh, the definitive collection, came out on iOS recently on under Netflix. So if you have a Netflix subscription, you can get them for three for free. And these games, when they first came out, were not very good, and they've been substantially improved since then. So I wanted to get the Netflix version. So I searched for GTA 3, and what came up in the App Store is a whole load, probably about 15 or 20, basically GTA knockoff copies. And they came up before the Netflix GTA 3 version, the Propic version, came up. And you could see from each of these that they were scammy. You know, they you could tell. They, they were all called things like... Um, mafia car theft 3d <laughs> things like that <laughs> and they all had a very similar screenshot because they were all basically they were aping the gta style yep. so you'd have you know a guy with a, a leather jacket and black trousers kind of blocky looking looking like he's with a gun in his hand about to get in a car uh, and they all were variation on that theme and all they're doing is basically trying to spoof people who might be looking for gta of thinking, oh, well, maybe that's it, or maybe that's cheaper, or maybe that's as good. Um, and it obviously works, otherwise they wouldn't do it. Correct. Uh, and, and yet what we get is very, very low-quality search results. Uh, and the 
opportunity of, of being ripped off. Yep. Because, as you say, some of these things will, will charge you, like, tickling utilities and things like that. If you don't know, you'll sign up for a subscription and then it'll renew and it'll be, like, $40 for two weeks yeah, or something exactly. like that. Because they're counting on the fact you won't notice. Yep. Um, and uh, and they get a lot of... Let's face it, if some, <laughs> many developers, if you could get $40 one time... For, for an for an app for a legitimate user if you if you're a legitimate indie developer and you could sell a copy for forty dollars for a year you take that every day of the week because yep. that's good money um so if you can fake people into doing that and then i don't know how it works with refunds if if apple takes the money back off the developer account and they just write it off but you know if they're writing it off then that's that's good scratch for probably yeah. very little effort because it's cookie cutter software code. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, what I would say in what I would have done in your situation, looking for something to do that is I would have looked for a web service that could do that. I did. And um, every one of them was also a subscription service. They're also scammy. Yeah. yeah. So, Hey, we'll convert it for one minute and then you have to pay sixty nine ninety nine for three months of access. I was like, screw <laughs> so, you. Unfortunately, a lot of the independent apps that used to do stuff like this, particularly media and coding and th- things like that, have been acquired by dodgy companies over the years. Yep. Um, and even the non-dodgy ones have also adopted um, this premium subscription model where you can't basically try the software properly. Um, because what they don't want you to do is, is if you need it just one time, they don't want you to be able to do your one-time requirement using the free version. They want you to have a limitation, like you say, like only a minute or something like that, to force you to subscribe even the one time. Because once they get a subscription, there's a chance you'll forget to unrenew it. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, plenty of software companies on the Mac that you and I will remember from back in the day have now been acquired by people who do that. You know, you know the first place these- I went to was Rogue Amoeba, thinking that they might have something, but they didn't. No. I was kind of surprised by that, to be honest. And it's tough because that, that is exa- that the thing you were trying to do is exactly the sort of thing you need a dedicated app for, because that's much lower friction than having to figure out how to do it in iMovie or exactly um, something like that. You know, because it's it's quite it's a, it's a non-intuitive problem to solve. Um, we got a lot of feedback, but from one person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is. This is our good friend, Brendan Rowland, who uh, long-time listeners who've been with yep. us for the last 500 episodes will recognize the name because, um, you know, he he uh, he doesn't comment to us that of- often, but he does comment a lot when he when he comments, and he certainly has done that here. And I appreciate so it talk- big time. I, yeah, because, Brendan, no, um, I, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to try and uh, do an AI auto-summarize of this rather than reading it all out just so that we can get through all the points. Um, but he talks about being um, he's currently staying on an extended stay in Mallorca in Spain. And he says he watches English language YouTube videos and he gets also inserted ads in Spanish. And he says, I don't speak Spanish, so I don't understand the ads, which means the advertiser is not making he's not getting good value for him from him for that. Uh, and then he says the intro ads is often repeated after just one minute, which is not only annoying probably deliberately by Google, but also wasting more advertiser money. Um, so, yeah, and he's also saying he listens to English podcasts, but he's getting auto-injected Spanish ads again in the in the US, in the Spain. And, and I mentioned this. I've noticed 
there must be a new platform out there because several of the podcasts I listen to have started also injecting uh, ads now and they're localized ads. So I get English ads here. He's getting Spanish ads. Um, and, and this is the fundamental problem, isn't it? Because these all these ads are sold on being targeted to the subscriber and the the advertising platforms will tell the ad the advertisers oh we know so much about people that we know what to show them and that means you get better ad targeting and um as brendan's pointing out here they should know that he's english (laughs) you would imagine they know he's english and yet they're still inserting spanish ads because he happens to be in spain they're just trying to give him the local flavor that's all well yeah but but it's (laughs) it's uh you know, it's it's not working, is it? No. So he says, but so not only are ads extremely annoying, but advertisers are being ripped off for showing ads that do not match yep. their audience. Do they not know how much they are being ripped off? I think they do, because I think advertising is actually advertising. I think is a is a game where everybody knows the secret that actually it doesn't you know, work. They, it doesn't. Well, it, it works for a tiny percentage of people, and yes. that's enough to make it worthwhile doing. Uh, but they know it's going to miss a lot more than it hits, um, and they seem to be cool with that he says as for web page ads in the uk I have a raspberry pi set up as a dns server running pi hole plus several ad blockers it's a rare occurrence for me to see an ad so of course the the downside of of that approach is that um sometimes things just don't work if you're running those blockers and and it's not like, who cares about if you go to a website and it says oh you're running an ad blocker we're not going to show you the content it's like i don't want that website then but i find uh, commercial sites that use pop-ups and things like that to show you you know you're if you don't buy this ticket in the next five minutes it's gonna the price is gonna Expire change or, yeah or, oh, those sorts of those sorts of things i buy rail tickets and flight tickets and things like that all the time they often don't work if you're running an ad blocker yep. because the the way they operate requires better access than the ad blocker gives them um so that's the downside and and that's why i've always shied away from running a server like pie hole which is very easy to do you put that in your router and you won't see any ads at all but the problem is is it becomes harder to disable it if you then need to temporarily disable something to make a website work whereas at least if you're running it on the client you can turn it off absolutely of course that's why you pull out your phone turn off wi-fi and go there exactly yeah exactly (laughs) and you're done you you can access the website yeah but but then sometimes on the on the phone and i find this increasingly actually on the phone websites don't work properly when they do on the on the pc and i think it's to do with uh with apple's own blocking services in safari and so there are there are some websites like commercial websites i use where i just can't can't do them on the phone because they won't work properly and those those services, you tend to find you've got to run their app if you want to do it on the iPhone. You can't do it through the web because it doesn't just doesn't work. Things don't work. And transactions don't complete. I mean, that's the worst one is when you go through, you put all the information in, you put your card details and everything like that, and you finally hit the pay button and it just sits there spinning and yep. then it never actually completes. And then you get a failed payment and something like that. And then you're just kind of cursing things because who wants it to be that hard? But, um, so, well, he's quoting... Um Dr. O. Cory Doctorow, yeah. who is well known. He's an, yeah, he's said, he says he's a, a SF author and tech commentator. Yeah. Well, Cory, Cory is known as being, he is the, isn't he um, associated with the Internet Freedom Foundation? Yeah. Uh, and he's very much, you know, against a lot of the horrible things we've just been talking about on the internet. Well, he, and he, he writes, uh, here's how platforms die. First, they are good to their users. 
And uh, that's how you get your users. It's really good yeah. user experience. You're getting a lot of value of using it. Then they decide to abuse their users to make things better for their business customers. Yep. Yeah. Um, finally, they abuse those business customers to, call, to claw back all the value for themselves. Then they die. Yeah. Yep. And he's right. And that's exactly, yeah. you see it over and over and over. And, and and that he he invented a phrase for this e shitification n shitification yeah. which is something about how uh, and yeah we've seen this all the time you look at Amazon now with all the fake ads and the um, fake products uh, fake ads fake products uh, the artificial boosting something like that yeah and the, the, what I don't understand is people fall for it all the time uh, well, I fall for it I still use Amazon all the time and I like to think that I'm good at, at spotting the stuff i want from the stuff i don't but i'm probably not you know because we're pro- most most of the times we think we're better at doing things than we actually are i'm actually you know? pretty good and at it but no, i have a no. really strong bs filter which is why i'm pretty good at sales i know but, when someone's wasting yeah, my time i mean you work in you work in sales so so that kind of gives you a bit more of an insight but there, there will still be times when you'll have fallen for sucker products as well that that thing you mentioned on um the light thing you just mentioned a few minutes ago. How, how do we know if that's a real product? Or it may be just be a sucker product. It could be, but it, I didn't it, fall for it. No, well, well, you talked about it. I did, you but didn't I didn't fall it. for it. Yeah, you didn't, didn't buy it. it. Okay. Because I don't trust TikTok. No. I, 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 I don't the, think I would ever really trust. See, if I see something on TikTok, I immediately do a Google search and see if I can find it and find reviews yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I, do, I do not click the buy it here thing ever. And if I want to buy it, and it does look like it's pretty legit, I'll go to Amazon. And if it's not on Amazon, I don't buy it. But the part of this certification is the fact that the um, everybody on the internet knows when you see something on, on TikTok and then go and search for it at Google. They put that together. And if you end up then going to Amazon and buying it, they put that together too. And this is, uh, you know, I, I, there was this, some marketing company made a, bogus claim last week that, that they had tech which made everyone's phones listen to you yeah right and and everyone went oh my god that's illegal and all this sort of thing. and it's a lie of course yeah, it's a lie of course it came it's from a, a marketing a marketing company trying to promote their own products so yes. it's a lie but uh, i fully believe that they can they can probably do a better job with their web tracking across the internet with everything you do across your devices than they could do anyway with listening to you um, and I suspect that's what they're actually flogging is, you know, oh, we've got tech that pulls all this data from all these different companies and joins it all up and you can see what people are doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what it is. And actually that's a little bit more scary. And that's how these, this impression you get of talking about something and then it comes up and all your ads happens. It's because it's watching what you do on your devices and they give a lot of information away. Yeah. That's, we're going to say that's also, Go ahead. Inshitification. That's yes. also inshitification. We're going to save we, uh, really Brandon's iCloud thing. We're, we're going to save that for the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's our 500th episode, people. 500. Yeah. Now, it has to be continuous, and it could have been, actually, I think we just did episode 75 of uh, our other show. So, really, yeah. we should be around 575. But, you know, this is 500 and 500 legitimate episodes of tech fan and uh yeah. you know we didn't really do anything to celebrate it but 
It is an achievement. I don't care what anybody says. I, 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 I think the celebration is the fact that we're continuing to do it. And yep. we continue to enjoy doing it. This is... is and we've never uh, not no. once reached out our hand asking for someone to donate. No. Hey, go to my Patreon or, you know, here's my P- <laughs> PayPal. Or We've never click, done that. Click on the like and subscribe button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the YouTube. You know. I mean, we I should mean, be asking well, for old... feedback every week and really yeah. pushing that because I think it makes the show better. But even that, we don't. We just yeah. start talking because that's kind yeah. of why we record the show. I enjoy talking to David about stuff. I think to recognize what we've just been talking about, we should now make sure that every week our show our show graphic is a picture of you or I with some sort of surprised look on our face, pointing at a product holding in our hand. I was going to I was going to do like the a title toy would shot. be Yeah, the title would be you won't believe what we found out about. Yes. Right? And that we should just do that every week yep, because every week. that is that is the um, that is the YouTube model, and yep. clearly that's working for people. <laughs> you won't believe what we found written in Steve Jobs' private diary about the uh, VR system. Oh, you yeah, you won't believe what we find found out about the iPhone four. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, and please, everyone, please remember to click the like and subscribe buttons on the podcast. They're up in the top yeah. left corner. Yeah, that's where it is. Uh, we'll be back next week and uh, we got some cool stuff to Christmas, talk about on Geeks yeah. Pub Christmas Eve next week so yeah. holiday special Yeah, have you been watching the, the Monarch series on Apple TV uh, I have not because I don't subscribe to Apple TV but I will uh, be acquiring it for the Christmas holidays watch, watch it um, All right, I I'm really it impressed with it. We can talk it. about it's, it next week. It's it's more impressive than I was expecting. So actually, what, uh, here, here we go. A bit of homework for next week as well. There is a new Godzilla movie out yeah. in Japan. Yeah, uh, Godzilla plus one. That's right. So maybe we should try and watch that as well. Um, I I don't have time right now to go to the theater to see anything. I'm just too busy. Don't don't go to the even know if you can stream this anywhere in decent quality. I reckon you can. Mm. If you look hard enough. Well, but I'm, I'm the one that showed you that page, so I, I know where don't to look. Go to a, don't go to a software subscription website, pay $40 for access. Mm. <laughs> well. That's why if you were to search for Godzilla Plus One Stream, I guarantee you, you'll get a stream of something, but it won't be Godzilla Plus One. No, it won't be that. <laughs> I looked at the one place I know that usually has everything, and it's not there. Okay. All right. Well, maybe maybe we'll cover that later on then when it does come out on stream. Yeah, because I'm not... I'm, I don't want to watch a really crappy cam version. No. Um, no. Nobody and it looks... That. Everyone that I trust on Facebook, friends of mine, actual friends, are like, this is... This is fantastic. This is so good. Yeah. Um, Godzilla's the bad guy, which he always should be. He should never be the good yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean, I just saw the trailer for the next Godzilla King Kong movie, and it looks stupid as hell. They're literally sprinting towards something next to each other. It's like, what? That's so stupid looking. Godzilla can't sprint, morons. Have yeah. you seen that? It's awful. I, have, I haven't seen the trailer, but I... Oh, my God. Um, you know, well, well yeah, those... Those movies now have have become terrible, variable in quality. Well, the problem that. is, quite, it looks terrible, 
But yet, yeah. Monarch, which is the same universe, is fantastic. So, well, yeah, who knows? Because, because the, the, the trailer is for a movie that's not coming out till next... Uh, I think, isn't it coming out till 2025? That trailer? For the next Godzilla... No idea. Big universe movie and they won't have finished the CGI yet that's why it looks terrible yeah. that's why it's stupid to do a CGI filled trailer for a movie you haven't finished making yet yeah really that's smart that's another topic yeah alright man anyway, I will see you next week on Geek's next, Club yeah see you then